right, I mentioned we're in a new series. The new series is called Making Change, and today's topic is Lost. Now, I asked the first service, how many people have been lost? I thought it was a dumb question. We all have gotten lost sometime. Um, so here's my question. Since GPS has become pretty common for most folks on your car or vehicle or your phone, how many of you have gotten lost even with GPS? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> we have this technology that's supposed to keep us from getting lost, and we still get lost. <clears throat> now, being lost is different than getting lost. I don't know if you ever thought about this. When you're getting lost, do you know you're getting lost? You don't know you're getting lost. In fact, you approach it usually with confidence. You're driving down the road with all the confidence. You know where you're going, especially with GPS. It's kind of like a false assurance, isn't it? And so we just keep on going, and eventually something makes us realize that, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm lost. So it, it's a, not a gradual thing. It's an all-in-ones thing. Now, why do we get lost? So there's different reasons we get lost. <laughs> Again, with GPS, it seems amazing, but uh, we get some bad information. Or we interpret it the wrong way, I guess, is another option. So we've got a bad, uh, a bad map, so to speak, a bad plan about getting where you want to get. Another reason, I think, a big reason we get lost is we get distracted. You know, I'm thinking about something else, and so I'm not paying attention, and I pass the turn or I pass where I want to stop, or, or whatever it might be. So we get lost sometimes, get distracted. Now, once you get lost, what is your goal? <laughs> to get unlost, right? Or to get back to where you want to be. So, you can get lost in lots of areas of life, not just driving around, right? Or walking around or hiking, whatever. You can get lost, for example, morally. Uh, maybe earlier in your life you had this moral compass, <laughs> You said, these are things I will do, these things I won't do. And then for whatever, different reasons, bad map, or gotten distracted, all of a sudden you're starting to do some things you said you wouldn't do. And eventually you get to a place where you say, wow, how did I get here? That's what we say when we get lost, right? How did I get here? How did I get here morally, for example? Maybe work-related. You know, you had this passion for some area of work, and then all, all, for some reason you started doing some other kind of work, maybe because... You couldn't get a job in that area, or this paid so, so well, um, or maybe you're trying to help somebody out. But anyway, you start in this other line of work, and all of a sudden that goes on and on, and maybe now you're financially dependent on a job. You can't get into that line of work financially uh, because of commitments you made. Uh, here's a good one. How many of you looked in a mirror and said, how did I get here physically, right? How did I get here? Uh, I shared with the first service, I'm having issues with my weight, not like most people. I'm losing weight. I'm not trying to lose weight, but I'm losing weight. So how did I, I'm trying to figure out how I got here. Uh, so how do did, how did we get here? Some of it's aging, obviously, right? Uh, but you made some decisions or lack of decisions involving diet or exercise or other things, and all of a sudden, how did I get here? I got lost physically. Uh, relationships, especially marriage. Um, early on in our marriage, we would ask ourselves, not this way, but we would think, how did I get here? We're not getting along. I mentioned with somebody, my wife used to be late all the time. And I'm a, one of these people, 
on time is late. And so we would clash over this. And uh, we, how, how did I get here relationally? And, of course, nobody walks down the aisle thinking, you know, this marriage is for five years and I'm leaving this person. And then, you know, 50% of people get divorced, or I don't think it's that high, 40%, whatever it is. And so none of those 40% got, wanted to get lost relationally with that other person. Of course, there's other relations with kids and friends and so forth. <clears throat> so, simple question. What's the best thing to do when you get lost? What's the best thing a lost person can do? Come on, I got the answer in the first service. <laughs> Ask for directions, right? Ask for directions. Now, men are notoriously bad at asking for directions, I know. But uh, ask for directions or reprogram re your GPS, right, or whatever it might be. Now, I Googled this, and, and um, I got different answers, so I don't know what the accurate answer is, so I'll give you several. Um, in the area of finances, how many people are lost? So I Googled it this way, uh, how many people live paycheck to paycheck? All right, what percentage of Americans? All right, the low number, or the least amount, was 54%. I also got a figure of 66%. I also found a figure of 80%. And so I'm going to ask you this question in a minute, but one way you can tell that you're lost financially is if you live paycheck to paycheck. So there it is. How do you know? If you live paycheck to paycheck. Because eventually something's going to happen that you're going to need some money other than your paycheck. We call it emergencies. And if you don't have an emergency fund, <laughs> you're, in, you're lost financially. Some other ways you might consider if your car, you owe more on your car than it's worth, then you're lost financially. If you don't even know how much your car is worth, you're probably lost financially. If you've got credit card debt on stuff that you probably don't even have anymore or it's worn out, you are financially lost. Or, for example, you pay the minimum on your credit card, you're financially lost. Or if you think that's what you're supposed to do is pay the minimum on your credit card, you're financially lost. Everybody has financial dreams, right? I want to you know, get this, live this way, have this lifestyle, whatever. All right. Well, you have your dream, but you have no plan to get you there. Then you're financially lost, right? I have this dream to, you know, travel someplace, but I have no plan to get there. If you have financial pressure, and of course this has been altered over the last year and a half, but financial pressure. Now, to most people listening to my voice, if you told somebody in a third world country how much money you made, you know what they would do? What they would say? They would laugh at you. They would say, why in the world do you have financial pressure when you have this much income? I also saw a statistic of people that make over $100,000 a year, 40% of them live paycheck to paycheck. So, we all make decisions every day in the area, a financial area. Now, there's no other area I talk about as a preacher that I feel like I have to explain why I'm talking about it. Because there's more pushback on pastors talking about money than anything else. So I'm going to try and not defend myself, but, but give you reasons. So why teach a series on money? <laughs> First reason, 
Jesus talked about it all the time. <laughs> the statistic I found is that one, over one quarter, or percent, 25% of the parables, the stories Jesus taught, were money related. <laughs> Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. Uh, that's mind-boggling to me. I've preached several series on heaven. Never preached one on hell yet. Uh, maybe that's something I can, <laughs> I can work on. Um, he talked more about money than he did love. Not saying that it's more important than love, but money and love are connected, as we're going to see in uh, something Jesus said. So I'm going to make a statement, and you can push back if you like, but here it is. You cannot follow Jesus. Remember I said following Jesus changing together? You cannot follow Jesus and remain financially lost. Jesus said this in, early on in his ministry. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You know, we just talked about heart's desires for five or six weeks, and we talked about emotion. And Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart. So your heart is intimately connected with your treasure. Think about it this way. If you own stocks, you probably watch the stock market. And you're happy when it goes up, and you're sad when it goes down. Or if you own a specific stock, for example, if you own Apple stock, you probably watch what Apple stock is doing. You probably don't care about Microsoft. But if you own Microsoft stock, you probably watch that, and you don't care about Apple stock. You could use all kinds of different examples, right? <clears throat> so what has got your attention, got your heart? What do you think about? Now, Jesus also said, <clears throat> store up treasures in heaven. I, that's kind of confusing. How do you store treasures in heaven? It's not a material thing. So what I came up with is this. Uh, acts of obedience store up treasures for us in heaven. And, of course, acts of obedience with our finances would be just one of those areas. <clears throat> So we talk about change, make change. It's an area that we probably, many of us, need to make some changes. And our changes should be in line with God's view, God's opinion, God's values. Maybe that's the best word to use. So a couple of verses down in Matthew, I'm going to read Luke's account of the same story. Jesus said this, No one can serve two masters. You can't have two bosses. For you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. Now, what do we think the end of the sentence should be? You can't serve God in what? What do you think? Devil, maybe? Evil? <laughs> but that's not what Jesus said. You cannot serve God and, and be enslaved to money. Now, money is neutral. There's nothing wrong with money. Money is neutral. Uh, I believe as Timothy said, the love of money is the root of all evil, which is an amazing statement. The root of all evil, <laughs> the love of money. But money is neutral. But you cannot commit, devote yourself to God and money. You've got to choose one or the other. If you're following somebody on the road and they're driving kind of swerving back and forth, 
Those of you who've been around a while, 20 or 30 years ago, what's your first thought about that person? Drinking too much, right? That was your first thought. Well, let me just ask you, what's your first thought when you see somebody driving like that now? They're on their cell phone, exactly. All right, same print, well, different, same principle as this here. You can't be devoted, focused, concentrate on your cell phone and be devoted, focused on driving. That results in what? You can't have two masters. You're going to be erratic. You're going to be all over the place. So, Jesus doesn't want our possessions to possess us. It's an interesting word, isn't it? It's so easy for our possessions to possess us, control us. Now, in Matthew's account, you know what the next 10 or 12 verses is chapter 6 of Matthew. You know what Jesus talks about in the next 10 or 12 verses, the rest of that chapter? Worry. Worry. And if I was to ask people, what do you worry about the most? Probably the biggest answer you're going to get back is what? Money, right? Because it is so central to our lives. We're either working for it, we're spending it, figuring out how to manage it, etc. A couple other verses, one from Proverbs. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrow is servant, some translations say slave, to the lender. Okay, so once I borrowed, I cannot be free to serve God because I have another master. The bank, let's say the bank. So, when your options are God, what God would want you to do with your money, and what the bank is requiring you to do the money, who wins? Now, I had somebody tell me after the first service, God won. They gave money to God, and they didn't pay their house payment. Of course, what happened? The bank eventually won. <laughs> they foreclosed on their house, and they lost their house. So the bank is going to win. The, when you're a borrower, who you borrow from is always going to win. They're the master. If you're a Jesus follower, if you're not, hopefully we're going to give you some, some good advice here, uh, financial advice. But if you're a Jesus follower, you cannot afford, you cannot be a Jesus follower and be lost financially. Now, here, lots of verses that, can, that highlight this next concept, but I'll just use one. It's in First Chronicles, probably part of the Bible you're not too familiar with, but Yours, listen to this first part. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. All right? That's all great, right? That's what we're here to do it in worship. Then he says this. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. Okay? Now, I talk about, you know, I have this car. I have these two houses. I have whatever I have. I have these clothes, whatever. But that's not really accurate if you're a Jesus follower, is it? Everything. Everything. That's a big word. Is God's. These houses, my cars, my clothes, my everything. As a Jesus follower, my life is. This is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. If we truly adore him as the love of, and love him as, a, as the one over all things, things, we wouldn't be slave to the lender. So, 
when I ever talk about money, I make the point, and it's an important point, is that it's not a financial issue. Like I said, most of us are, are wealthy in, in uh, world population standards. We're all in the top 10% of the world's income. So it's not a financial issue. It's a spiritual issue. Who is going to be your master? Now, horrible illustration, but uh, imagine you lost everything. You, did, you lost your house, you lost your car, you lost your job, you lost your dog. No, I don't know. <laughs> you didn't lose your dog. But anyway, you lost everything. <laughs> what are you most likely going to do? Especially if you're a Jesus follower, but even if you're not, you're probably going to do what? Oh, God, what am I going to do? Please help me. I, it's all yours. Of course, I don't have anything, but it's all yours. It's easy to give it to you then, right? So why not do it when you... With when you have all you have. So you cannot follow Jesus and remain financially lost. Now, another thing I want to say is our church is financially solvent. We operate in the black. We have money in the bank. So I, that's not why I'm talking about this. In fact, Jesus doesn't want your money this. I came across this statement and I, and I can't dispute it. Nowhere in Scripture are we set, told that Jesus asked for anybody's money. If you guys, somebody here can find it, let me know. Now, he did borrow a coin once and say, okay, render under Caesar, what is Caesar's, under God's, what is God? That's basically what we're talking about. But he never asked for anybody's money. So what did he want? What did Jesus want? What does Jesus want from you and I? He wants us. He wants us to commit ourselves to him. So, put it on your outline. I don't want anything from you either, okay? Our church doesn't want anything from you either. But I don't really talk about this very often. There are some things I want for you. So I want to share just a few, and then we'll move on. First, I want you to trust God with every area of your life. And the hardest area for many people to trust God is financially. And I think one of the big reasons is we think we control that. <laughs> it's really not true, but we think, you know, I can't control my spouse, I can't control my kids, I can't control my boss, but I can control my money. Well, not necessarily. <clears throat> I shared this story in the first service uh, we, uh, let's see, you get it right. July 1st, 1990, I became unemployed. Maybe the first time in my life. <laughs> um, maybe the second time. And for the next year, I was unemployed. I never had a job or a steady job or a full-time job or even part-time job for much of that time. In fact, I helped Mel. Most of you know Mel. Mel and I built a house, which eventually... My wife and I bought and moved into. I didn't know that at the time we were building it. So for a year, four kids, no job, I never collected unemployment. Yet to this day, I'm still amazed that we never went without. Actually, I think my sister got me a job for three months that summer. So I did work a couple months that summer. Um, I was amazed that God, I, we never went hungry, never, you know, we never went, money would just show up in the mail. <laughs> Just amazing. So I haven't really need, had that need since then, the last 30 years. Um, 
So it's good for me to, to remind me of that time when God took care of me and my whole family financially. Another thing I, I want for you folks is this. I want you to trust God. Excuse me. I want you to experience God's faithfulness in your finances. That's what I was just talking about. Can you trust God if you follow his plan, his GPS for your finances, that you'll be okay financially? Uh, thirdly, I want you to feel free to go and do and, and give the way God wants you to. And the problem with being financially lost, you can't do any of those things. I like to go on mission trips. Well, mission trips cost money, right? And if you're employed, you have to take time off from work. And so you might really have this desire. You may really feel like God wants you to go on this mission trip. But financially, you can't do it. <clears throat> Maybe you want to volunteer somewhere. Um, but financially, you can't. Or maybe you want to give to some ministry or some needy person and just because you're financially lost, you can't afford to do it. I also want you to be financially secure. I don't want you to feel, as I said, artificial pressure because most people in the world would love your income. So, I think in the uh, video it said stress is bad right? Stress is bad. None of us want to be stressed. We want to be financially secure. Uh, another proverb. This is a wisdom part of the Bible. The wise have wealth and luxury. Now, most of us would say we don't live in luxury, but in most of the world's standards you do. So wh what I think this talking about is you have surplus. You have extra. Now, I don't know about you, but I got, we've got a refrigerator and freezer and a huge kitchen and a pantry, all stuffed food, full of food. We have surplus. You probably do too. <clears throat> but the fool spends whatever they get. So when you want to give to someone else, you can't give. When an emergency comes up, what do you have to do? If you've spent all you had, emergency comes up, you have to do what? You have to borrow. And borrow makes you what? Slave to the lender. You've just sold yourself into slavery. We read this in the Old Testament. We don't think about that, do we? And lastly, I want you to be content. I think it's the biggest area that brings discontentment to our lives. One of my favorite verses of Scripture is this. <laughs> Fascinating verse. It says this. Your yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. So evidently you can have godliness without contentment. And I see that a lot. Or you can have contentment without godliness. That's more rare. <laughs> Definitely more rare. But that's great wealth. You can't pay money to get contentment. You just can't. So, for example, I haven't been to a mall for years. I guess malls are still open, aren't they? Um, can you walk through the mall without spending some, having to buy something? I can. In fact, the only time I go to the mall is when I want to buy something specifically, and I go there to buy it, then I leave. Maybe better, can you go to your favorite website and not buy something? Now, confession, it's Home Depot or Lowe's for me. You've got to have that tool, you know, that, that's, a nice, that's a better tool, or that's a, that's a you know, battery-operated one, and I don't want to have to keep plugging mine in, whatever it might be, right? 
contentment. Uh, I don't know. Oh, my, my cell phone's over here. Do you, you know, my cell phone's probably five years old. How many have a cell phone that's less than five years old? Raise your hand. All right. Now, was it because you're discontented with the one that was old, or hopefully you just needed a new one, right? Now, you might say, oh, I'm a contented person, but my spouse or my kids. So we live in community, don't we? We live in families. And so for me to be content, my spouse needs to be content, don't they? So, simple question. What's the opposite of lost? <laughs> found. Now, that's a little simplified, so I'm going to give you a little longer answer than just found. Realizing where you are. Because you can be lost and not know it, right? In fact, there's a lot of people financially lost that don't realize it. Then once you realize it, then how to get back to where you want to be. So, another proverb. A well-thought-out plan will work to your advantage, but hasty actions will cost you dearly. Now, not just financially, all areas of life. But think about it financially. <clears throat> a well-thought-out plan, great advantage to you. Bring security, less stress, all those things. But hasty actions, living paycheck to paycheck, will cost you dearly. It'll cost you stress-wise, which will cost you Physically, which will probably cost your relationship. I got to think about the first, I don't know, maybe 10 years of our marriage. You know what we fought about the most? Simple answer, right? Money. Money. My wife and I have different, came from different backgrounds. So we had a different plan. Initially, our plan comes usually from our parents, right? And so we had different plans. So let me end with this. Do you have a plan in this area of your life? So, if you don't, first place to start is to know where you are. Again, if you're lost, what's the first part? To know where you are. So, <clears throat> you cannot, again, follow Jesus and remain financially lost. So, you've got to have a plan. So, here's my assignment for you for the next month or so. Some of you already do this. I know some of you are already way down the line on this, in this process. But if you're not, here's what I want you to do. Track your spending for the next month. However you want to do that. You know, put receipts in a drawer, write it on paper, do it on your phone, whatever it is, okay? Now, if you're financially lost, whose fault is it? Really important question. It's your fault, right? Not my fault, <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> Now, I like doing this stuff. I've done this all my life. My wife, on the other hand, now, for the last 20 years or so, she's done a great job. First thing she thinks of, when she spends some money, I have to write it down. Now, one other thing. If you get up tomorrow, if you're employed, and you get up tomorrow morning, alarm goes off, and you say, I don't feel like going to work today. Do you stay home? But you didn't feel like it. Now, that's a pushback. I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to keep track of my spending. Okay. That's not a good excuse. Not a good excuse for not going to work. It's not a good excuse for taking control of your finances. So, I'm going to ask you each week. So, 
you're either going to lie to me or not raise your hand when I ask the question. Are you keeping track of where your money goes? If you've never done this before, I'll tell you one thing is going to happen. You're going to be surprised where some of that money went. So this is just the intro. We'll dig deeper into this in the next coming weeks. Uh, glad you can join us. Let me pray with you and let you go. Father God, thank you. We thank you for the wisdom of your word about all kinds of things, but especially this area that's so big and huge to us. It takes up so much of our time and energy. And so, God, uh, uh, we pray for your direction as we work through this. I pray that people will be uh, willing to try things maybe they haven't done before um, and kind of check it. Those of us who are doing a pretty good job to, to do, do uh, a, a check on Maybe there's some areas we can improve. Um, again, you've got to have a master, and I just pray that you, your master is Jesus. And as I said, you cannot follow Jesus if you're lost financially. And so if you're lost financially and not a Jesus follower, we encourage you to take the first step to become a Jesus follower. Uh, invite him into your life. Make him your master, and he will help you master this other area. Father God, we're so thankful for your the blessings you give us. Most of us have really comfortable financial lives, or we should with the income that we have. So give us wisdom and give us courage and discipline. Maybe that's lack of discipline to control uh, this area of our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.